Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. I want you to remember that widow. She gave out of her poverty. And Jesus said she gave more than everybody in that whole place. It's not about how much, it's what your heart does. But right now is a good time to get right with Jesus, and then God can provide for you just like how he provided for the Israelites. He has provided for them, giving to them so that they themselves can become givers. And now that is being given to the eastern tribes, and they get to take it home. I just wanted you to see that whole dynamic of how God's economy works in this, in this situation. Don't worry about your enemies being better off than you. Don't worry about unrighteous people being better off than you. Just say, must be a gatherer. (laughs) Maybe they'll get it knocked out of their hands, or maybe they'll repent and come to Jesus, and maybe they'll become a great giver. I've sat in, in Bible college before next to a man in a nice suit, and he was talking to me for a minute, and then he left. I asked the professor, who was that dressed up guy? And he goes, that was a millionaire who invests in this Bible college, and he was picking your brain to make sure you're getting what he is investing for you to get. I'm like, wow, that was great. So that guy was a great giver. It doesn't mean you can't be rich. It's just, where's your heart in it? Okay? Don't become a gatherer. Be a giver. Uh, Joshua 22 and 9. So the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, the half-tribe of Manasseh, returned and departed from the children of Israel at Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan, to go to the country of Gilead, to the land of their possession, which they had obtained according to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses. So what's in Shiloh is the tabernacle. Okay, That's where the tabernacle's at. And so finally, they return with great possessions to where they left their families behind seven years ago. All right, we finally get to go home now. Now, what I see in this is that when the Lord calls you to perform a task, he always blesses you better. He always blesses you back better than what you left with. Now, they left their families behind. Now, thinking, man, I got to leave my family. Gosh, that's going to be hard. I, gosh, I could be fixing my house better. I could be tending to those grapes over there and getting my animals lined out. But I got to go and I got to help with all this conquest going on. God gave them better. It's payday. They're going home well paid back to their families. And that's, that's one of those things to deal with, that when God gives you a calling, don't try to get out of it from thinking of what you have to lose. I had to deal with leaving my career when God called me into ministry. I had a great career. I was doing it for a long time, and I had to think, I've got to leave this. I got all the way up here, and I got to leave this. And God says, hey, If you don't leave willingly, I could knock you down from the top of that ladder, (laughs) and you'll have nothing. You won't have this job or ministry. Whoa, I had to make a decision. So take it from me. Don't count a calling as a loss. No calling of God is ever a loss. No calling of God is ever a loss. It is always a gain. Always a gain. 
Now look at what the Israelites gained. More land, more possession. And to think that on their way back east, they're going to pass by all the ruins of all the cities they knocked down, that the Lord God knocked down. They're, they're going to pass by Jericho. They're going to see the walls flattened down. They're going to have all these reminders. They're going to go back and pass along and say, oh man, you remember that? Man, what a day that was. You remember taking that enemy out? They're going to have this encouraging reminder that God is with us. They're going to see all their victories that they were given. And it's going to be a reminder to them of what happens to all those who refuse to walk in obedience to God. Because those people that they took out were sinners that had judgment put on them. If you refuse to serve God, then who you are and what you have will be lost if you refuse to serve God with it. Why refuse to serve God with my money? It's my money. You're going to lose it. Why refuse to give God my entire self in a calling like that? I need to keep doing this. You're going to lose it. God calls you to something. Just go do it. It's better. So they're excited to get back to their families again. And all the great stories they're going to have to share. It's like, hey, you get home to the kids. It's like, wow, you're a lot taller now. But man, I got to tell you about this day at Jericho. It was incredible. And man, there's going to boost them up. So all these exciting things are coming. But at the same time, they're now leaving all the other tribes behind. And they're going to develop this sense of isolation now. They've been hanging with these guys for seven years, their brothers. Now they're going to leave them behind. And they're about to cross to the east side of Israel. Now, the Jordan is just an ordinary river. It's just, you know, a little bit of river. I, I remember we drove over in Israel, and I didn't think nothing of it. I thought it was like a, you know, like what you would see here in, uh, as like a, a rice canal. We were at a very narrow part of it. I, I didn't think anything of it at all. And somebody said, oh, do you know that was Jordan? I said, that was? And they said, yeah. So they turned the car around, went back. <laughs> so I could say, oh, that's the Jordan. Wow. Okay. It, it just didn't hit me. You know, it's just, a, it's just a regular river. But both sides of the Jordan has, has these mountains that go up as high as 2,000 feet. And the hot seasons down, way down in the valley would get so hot, it would discourage people from wanting to cross this valley to the east. I mean, it's like a big area that was hot and hard to, to go to travel over. And it would, it's isolation now. Yes, it's just a river, but all that land between there is hard to get over the other side. Basically, the Jordan area was a boundary that might contribute to a fear that these eastern tribes would permanently drift apart from the rest of Israel. Because once they all got over there, there's not going to be a whole lot of going to and fro. And so on their way back home, there would be some thoughts that would occur to them. We're leaving our brethren behind. We're leaving our brethren behind. Now that we're apart, what can we do to keep our ties together? They're thinking, what can we do to symbolize unity on both sides of the river? What can we do to remind ourselves that we are also still children of God's promise? They're, they're thinking all these thoughts from that vast crossing that they're going to do. And so when they got back east, they did something about all these fearful thoughts by building another altar. That's what they did. They built another altar that were, would remind them of the original altar in Shiloh. Let's look at this. Joshua 22 and 10. And when they came to the region of the Jordan, which is in the land of Canaan, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh built an altar there by the Jordan, a great impressive altar. 
Now the children of Israel heard someone say, Behold, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh have built an altar on the frontier of the land of Canaan in the region of the Jordan on the children of Israel's side. And when the children of Israel heard of it, the whole congregation of the children of Israel gathered together at Shiloh to go to war against them. This is a threatening move to them. You know, I see that their intention was well-meaning, but don't build another altar. Not another one. Set up a vertical stone or something like they used to do. Let's put this stone up as a witness. Do something like that as a monument. But don't set up another altar because the true altar is in Shiloh. The Western tribes didn't see the second altar as a memorial of unity. They didn't see it like that. They saw it as a symbol of apostasy. They saw it as falling away. Oh, you're going to build your own altar. And the reason that they're feeling like this, so upset about it, the reason they see it as a rebellion against God is because of Levitical law. In Leviticus 17 and 8, it says, Whatever man of the house of Israel or of the strangers who dwell among you who offers a burnt offering or sacrifice and does not bring it to the door of the tabernacle of meeting to offer it to the Lord, that man shall be cut off from among his people. So there's that Levitical law that got them all spurred up. The true tabernacle is in Shiloh, where the ark is, where God's dwelling is. That's in Shiloh. The the tabernacle is not out by the Jordan. And so I can see the Western tribe's viewpoint. Now, I see the Eastern guys. I see the Western guys. I see both sides of the argument here. That the second, but I see also how the Western guys are thinking that the second altar is downright wrong. They insisted that Israel's unity was to be held around the sacrifices at the altar in Shiloh, where the tabernacle of God had been established. And so we can see both sides of the argument here, but this could lead to war. I understand what you're trying to do here, and I I get it over here. You know, everybody's trying to be so well-meaning, but this is going to go into a bad situation, you know, regardless. Now there's something's got to, something's got to happen. Joshua, remember I told you, Joshua did everything he could to maintain peace. Follow these guidelines, stay close to the Lord. Guys, give part of your portions here to these guys. He did everything he could think of. And now right out of the gate, the enemy has already stirred something up. That's just what happens among us people. Joshua 22 and 13. Then the children of Israel sent Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, to the children of Reuben, to the children of Gad, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, into the land of Gilead. And with him ten rulers, one ruler each, from the chief house of every tribe of Israel. And each one was the head of the house of his father among the divisions of Israel. Then they came to the children of Reuben, to the children of Gad, and to half the tribe of Manasseh, to the land of Gilead. And they spoke with them, saying, Thus says the whole congregation of the Lord, What treachery is this that you have committed against the God of Israel, to turn away this day from following the Lord, in that you have built for yourselves an altar, that you might rebel this day against the Lord? Okay, they're mad, but they sent some guys out to go talk about it. You know, I'm really, really glad, though, here that the Israelites really want to take this Levitical law very seriously. They're real serious about it. But before they had the knee-jerk reaction of, hey, they broke the law, let's go get them. Now they messed up, let's just go wipe them out. Before they reacted real quick like that, they first sent Phineas, the priest mediator. 
They sent a priest mediator to solve the conflict and work out the differences between them so that nobody has to die for it. 1 Timothy 2.5 For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. You know, God's law says, the law says, our sin cuts us off, but God wanted unity with us. So he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, the priest mediator, to solve the conflict and work out the differences between us, between us and God, so that we don't have to die for it. I see a Jesus parallel here in this story. But I want to make a very clear point here. The eastern tribes were headed to a very secluded and dangerous area out east. This is why Joshua wanted them to understand that just because they'd proven themselves as great conquerors, oh, you came in and you helped fight and we conquered all this land. Just because you proved yourself as great conquerors with an inheritance, that does not mean you're too big to fall into idolatry. I conquered. I have an inheritance. You can still fall in idolatry. Friends, that's us. In Christ, I'm more than a conqueror. I have an inheritance you can still fall to idolatry. So take careful heed to these things, he says. Take careful heed to these things that Joshua told them to obey God. Love the Lord your God. Walk in all his ways. Keep his commandments. Hold fast to him. Serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Stray away and you'll fall. Well, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm saying stray away and you'll fall. You know, um, a zebra that leaves the herd and gets eaten by cheetahs is still a zebra. A Christian who's born again and saved is a conqueror, but he falls off into idolatry. He's still going to get destroyed by that idolatry. Just the same. Stay close to God. Stay close to the body of Christ. We don't meet here for nothing. (laughs) Stay close to the assembly. Joshua gave them commands to stick close to God. He knew that the three tribes would either go with Israel's God or they would go with the false gods of Canaan. There is no middle ground. There is no such thing as spiritual neutrality. People that say, well, I respect your God and I believe, but, and, you know, but that's your thing. And you know, I'm just, I just kind of live my life. You Bible thump all you want. I'm just, you know, just kind of here. Yeah, I'll go to heaven. I'm fine. But there's no such thing as spiritual neutrality. You're hot or you're cold. Stick close to the body of Christ. Follow God's commands. It'll keep you from drifting away from God towards idolatry. Be close. Be close. Hebrews 10.24 says, And let us stir one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Guys, we've got to be together. We have to be together. I know some of y'all live a little more eastward towards a little more closer to worldly things sometime. But you know what? That's all the more reason to get in here. Don't fall to that idolatry. It'll get you. Now, one last point. The sacrifices were to be done at the tabernacle in Shiloh. You know, today, we don't have to go to a particular location on the map for sacrifices, do we? We don't have to do that anymore. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God indwells us as we are the temple but all the more reason to serve as a sacrifice, right? What do I mean by that? Serving as a sacrifice. Be that giver. These tribes had to give to the other tribe. They had to sacrifice their spoils and give. 
Yes, they took it from the enemy, but they said, but we sacrifice it. We give it. Guys, to be a living sacrifice, you have to expense yourself on other people. You will have to spend yourself on other people. And I'm not just talking money. I'm talking of yourself, your time, your compassion, your care. All these things on people who are lost. Be a living sacrifice. You don't have to go to a Shiloh anymore. You don't have to go to a temple anymore. We are the temple. So we should be that sacrifice. If sacrifices were made at the temple, then where should sacrifice be now if we're the temple? It should be in us. Joshua 22 presents us a good picture to help us see which person we really are. Are you a gatherer or are you a giver? Which one? And I'm speaking to the radio, the camera. There's a lot of people out there that are listening, and every thought on your mind is, how do I make more money? How do I make more money? How do I make more money? You don't give to God. You don't give to ministry. You don't share and bless other people. You are a gatherer, and it will be taken from you, and it's going to go in somebody else's pocket that God has it designated for. You know what's a good thing to do right now is to go ahead and repent and get right with Jesus Christ right now and go ahead and start taking what you have and using it for the Lord right now and get blessing from it rather than trying to withhold it. I want to show you something real quick that I saw the other day. Show that picture. That is a gravestone. Me and Hank were up in Huntsville. We went to Sam Houston's grave. Huge. It's a big old thing. It's grand. But I was more concentrated on this one here. It wasn't any taller than the grass. And there's no name on it. There's no way of knowing who that is. That's somebody's last visible, I guess, testament that they were here. And who knows who they are? There's no way to know who that person is at all. But Psalm 136 says that God remembers us in our lowly state for his mercy endures forever. I'll never know who that is. We'll never know. The only one that knows who that person ever was is the Lord God. So I want to give you some perspective. What are you doing if you're trying to build for you, build for you, build for you? You could very well end up soon being in something like this where that's it. And nobody knows who you are. I want to ask you a question. How many of you know who your ancestor six generations up from you is? Do you know their name? You know what they look like? You know what they did for a living? You don't know. That means in five or six generations from you, if Christ doesn't come back first, which I think he probably will, that means five to six generations from you, nobody's going to remember you either. I'm not trying to sound sad. I'm just trying to give you a perspective. The only one that's going to know is the Lord God. Only he is going to remember you. So guys, it's time to take all the striving for self and cut it and stop becoming that gatherer. Now become the giver and put it back into the kingdom of the one who remembers you forever. I'm thankful for, the, for God having that viewpoint about me. Father, thank you so much, Lord God. We're looking forward to Passover. Father, we're thankful for what your son did for us. He said, because I have, uh, I'm, I'm going to die for you. Do this remembrance of me, Lord. We took communion last Sunday and to remember you. Lord, eternally, you offer to remember us. And along with remembering us, you offer to not remember our sins. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for the perspective. Lord, anybody who's living a little far east, not on the map, but spiritually living a little east, they're playing around a little too close to the world right now. They realize that is a dangerous place to be and to not get too far away 
from the body to remember to stick close to you, close to you. Friends out there, don't just take church. Don't just take the Bible. Don't just take Christianity as Sunday morning tradition that lasts for about two hours. It is eternal. It is 24-7. It is beyond you. It's huge. It is power. Lord God, teach us to represent ourselves as living sacrifices. We are the temple to invest ourselves in other people so that they will see who Jesus really is. Father, I am glad that you took me as a collector and turned me into a giver. You took me as a gatherer and made me into a gifter. I want to give to your ministry, Lord God. It's not about us. It's about you. Thank you, Lord, for all the pictures you've given us in Joshua 22. You've fulfilled your promises. You gave them inheritance. And Lord, you have fulfilled that promise for me. I said, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I repent of my sins. I leave my old life. Take me, Lord God. And you have made me more than a conqueror, and you have given me an inheritance in heaven. But Lord, I should not be deceived into thinking that I can't still fall into idolatry if I get a little too close. Lord, help your people, just like Joshua did. Yes, you may be a conqueror. Yes, you have an inheritance, but heed these words. Stick close to God tightly. Follow him. Serve him with everything of yourself is you can fall into idolatry. Forgive us, Lord God. Lord, anybody here that's dealing with idolatry today, teach them to cut it off, to cut it off and get it out of their lives. Lord, we're coming up to Passover, where we're getting the leaven out. Show us how to get the leaven out. And Lord, we know what our problem is. We know what our idolatry is. We want to debate it and justify it with other people, but we know with you what it is. Show us how to shut it off, God. Kick it out. I don't want to fall to idolatry. Bless us. Thank you, Lord God. Forgive us. We know, Lord God, that the blessing comes after the repentance. It comes after the obedience. Thank you for being patient with us to get it through our thick heads to finally come to realize that we need to turn around. I thank you, Father, for it. That although I am a conqueror, I still need to stay close to you. Do not let us become fooled into thinking that we cannot be deceived into falling for idolatry. Lord, bless your people, Israel. This whole story was taken out upon them. It wasn't easy. Thank you, Lord God, that now we, the Gentile and the Jews, we can all learn from what they did so that we can avoid their mistakes. Forgive me of mine. Lord, I pray for anybody in here who's realized they have an adultery, uh, I'm sorry, an idolatry problem, that they put it away, they repent of it, and they leave it now, and they don't pick it up ever again. It's costly. It adds to your suffering on the cross. I thank you, Lord, for dying for me. If I was given an opportunity to walk up to you on the cross, and somebody gave me a whip and said, here, take your swing, Lord, I wouldn't want to do it. But Lord, if we, as we continue to give ourselves to idolatry and sin, that's exactly what we're doing. We're taking more swings. Lord, we, you went through enough. Why don't we stop swinging? Forgive us, Lord God. Bring me back. Keep me close. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.